You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning, welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in again. It is Friday, December the 9th. Cold, you bet it is. Not as cold here, though, as it is in Ireland. There was white over in some parts of the country last night and Punchestown's chances of racing on Sunday are beginning to look pretty slim. But as you heard on yesterday's podcast, if that fixture doesn't go ahead, they will wait till the thaw and run at the earliest Tuesday, maybe deeper into next week. And then we'll be able to see the current Gold Cup favourite, Galopin Deschamps. Of course, the horse he deposed as favourite for that race is the reigning champion, Aplutar and Henry de Bromhead, Aplutar's trainer, has been making some mildly positive noises about perhaps the horse running at Christmas. Said he'd had one or two issues. Wanted a little bit of clarification on that and to find out about one or two other star names in the Cheveley Park Stud Jumps ownership. So put a call in to Cheveley Park Studs Richard Thompson. In a moment, he'll bring you some big news about Fernie Hollow. But first of all, he reflected on an unusually stuttering start to their season yeah totally Nick I mean look I mean you know last season I think we won nine grade ones you know with the pinnacle being the, the, the Cheltenham Gold Cup so you know we know that we know the game the highs and lows um, and this obviously yeah, we have hit, we've been hit a bump in the road although we did obviously win the the Ladbrokes Champion Chase at Down Royal with uh, Envoy obviously a few weeks ago so that was a great kick off but um, since then as you say correctly Alaho. Niggles, not running King George, uh, Aputar as he pulled up in the Betfair. And uh, I see another, another, unfortunately, another, another one that obviously we haven't mentioned just yet, Fernie Hollow, he's out for the season. So, um, so yeah, definitely some bumps in the road um, for the moment. But we, we have to expect that in the context of the run we've been on, the purple patch we've been on, and the, and the world of uh, national hunt uh, racing. That's that's a shame about Fernie Hollow. He's clearly a he's clearly a very delicate horse, isn't he? What what's the problem with him? Hind tendon. Um, yeah, he, you know he he was really was starting to work him a bit harder because you know running him over the Christmas period, and um, yeah, he just obviously just could, you know obviously couldn't couldn't take it. And uh, yeah, he, he was off. You know, he he won us a, the, the the novices chase at um, racing post novices chase last year at I think Boxing Day. So he'd been off since then. Um, and before that, he'd been off for a long time. So he's won two grade ones. He won the champion bumper, of course, 2020. He won last year, obviously, the novices chase. But yeah, just a delicate horse, obviously. And, uh, you know, bloody, bloody shame. Real shame, actually, because we were really looking forward to him coming out. But, you know, always felt with Fernie that, you know, that he was delicate. And therefore, you know, it wasn't a home run to get him back on the course. Uh, you know, it wasn't because of what happened or not, what's happened the last couple of years. So that is a shame. Um- Tell me what vibes you're getting about Aplutar. Do you think we, we are likely to see him at Christmas or should we just take it as red? I think it's 50-50 because I think that obviously he had he, he came back to Ireland um, after the uh, Betfair chase. We knew there was something wrong with him. Obviously, as we, as we know, he wasn't travelling that well. He pulled up. Rachel pulled him up. <sighs> Apparently allergic reaction to something between leaving Ireland and and, and the race and um, bloods weren't right lung wash no good you, you know so definitely had you know 
definitely obviously had had, a, had an issue as we know for the Betfair chase is it now what three that must have been maybe three nineteenth of November so what three weeks ago or so so yeah would he run in would he run in a sort of what was it what's the date today eight ninth yeah twenty eighth twenty eighth nineteen days time it's got to be fifty fifty isn't it I mean it, Henry had a kind of text with Henry earlier in the week. He said that obviously he's improving, no question, but he, I think he was having some blood done again today or yesterday or today, so I should get an update soon. But um, I'd say it's 50-50 at the moment. And of course, we we want him to be in great shape for the for another tilt at the Gold Cup. So although I'd love to run him at Christmas, obviously we, we won't rush him back. But he, he was a, a sick horse rather than an injured horse. Is that the... That's the totally, yeah. totally. Yeah, exactly. Not, 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 not. He was in terrific shape leading up to the Betfair chase. Terrific shape at home, and I think that's obviously, um, yeah, he just wasn't well. Um, from what you were saying earlier, it, it doesn't sound like you're massively hopeful of of Alaho season wise. Well, um, I the last time I spoke to Willie, I think no, I think we're still hopeful that he would come back for. Uh, a pre, a, a, a run before Cheltenham, maybe February, uh, and then Cheltenham itself. I don't think he had a few weeks, I think six weeks off, um, and that six weeks probably is coming to a close actually soon, you know. So I think we're still hopeful very much of him coming back. Um, but again, you know, with these things, you've got to be realistic. It's, it's probably 50 50, but uh, love to see him have another tilt at the, uh, at the, at the, at the run air and try and win it for the third time. But, uh, Look, as you say, Nick, from the outset, you know, we've hit a bump in the road, but it was always going to happen. You know, we've had this magnificent run. And, uh, you know, obviously, I said to someone the other day, we're in bonus territory now, having won the Gold <laughs> Cup and having won some of these other big jump races. Um, we, you know, we, 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 we love it. We're loving it. We've loved it. But, of course, um, everything's a bonus now. thing is, we're quite greedy on your behalf as well. So yes. we, we've warmed to these very good horses. What about Sir Gerhard? Well, he'll run it. No, he's in good. He's in good shape. I mean, I, I believe he'll run definitely over, Christ, over the Christmas period, um, or definitely run in the next uh, two, two or three or two or three weeks or so. So yeah, no, he's in he's in good shape, and the idea is that he goes uh, chasing. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hearing good reports on, good reports about him. Uh, and of course, you could still win the King George, as you were saying, with with Envoy Allen. I mean, it, it, it's yeah. it's quite an irony that he should be the he should be the one that's come <laughs> roaring back after all the troubles that he's been through. Well, totally. I mean, he was the second coming, as you know, behind sort of in the Sam in the Sam mould. And uh, as you well know, he fell at Cheltenham in 2021 during lockdown, and of course that was a massive shock. I mean, an hour later, we won the Ryanair with Alaho, so of course it, we had a massive low and massive high in that time. But obviously, we weren't at Cheltenham for that for that uh, for that particular day. Of course, no one was allowed allowed to be. But uh, yeah, no, he's a horse that, of course, maybe lost his way a little bit. I think he was third in the champion chase, as you know, last year over you know over the shorter distance. Um, but it looks as though, and he won the um, the Paddy the Paddy Club, you know, rewards um, over two miles. I know it was only a three runner at Christmas last year, but um, you know, it's been a um, it's been a situation with Envoy about how do you, you know what, what is his best distance. And I think actually now with that with that champion chase, Ladbrokes champion chase, when it went down well recently. I think that you know Henry's very comfortable now. Rachel very comfortable that you know three miles. Three miles plus is his trip, so you know we go to the King George. Very hopeful of him running a big race. That was Richard Thompson. This is Jane Mangan. Of course, Richard has lots still to look forward to. We didn't even scratch the surface with some of the the younger horses there, like uh, Grange Clare West and.
classic getaway. But the important news there, Jane, is that we won't see Fernie Hollow for another season, which, as, as Richard said, is a bloody shame. It is. And it's so frustrating for them in particular because you know he has this massive engine and anytime he goes to the track, we see it. And he was declared to run in Navin a couple of weeks ago. Willie Mullins deemed the ground to be a little bit too quick that day. He pulled him out. And subsequently, he gets injured anyway. So they had taken all the precautions and it still didn't happen for them. Look, we've only seen him seven times in his life. He's a seven-year-old rising eight now. He's won his champion bumper. He's won a grade one over fences, which is incredible for a horse that's only ran twice over fences. And uh, it's just such a shame because you get the feeling that this guy has the engine to be a crack two-mile chaser, but he has the pedigree to be a crack three-mile chaser. You would wonder now, would he ever actually get to fulfil his potential? Such a shame. Still quite a bit to look forward to for this ownership operation. And we could see Aplutar at Christmas. I think the encouraging point to note out of that is he's not a lame horse. He was just a sick horse. Yes, and we know that that can be cured, that can be treated, and they can get him back to what he was last year. So I, for one, am relieved that something has come up, that we have something to work forward from that dismal display in the Betfair chase now. Because had they not found something, you would be going into your next run in the dark, wondering if there is still something wrong. So if they have found something, that for me is a relief with a view to hopefully getting him back, even in the spring. That's his big target. I don't think they'll be rushing him to get him back at Christmas. We're very near Christmas now. So Dublin Racing Festival, March into Punchestown, they'll be his key targets. And uh, I, for one, will be looking forward to seeing him come back. It's still hopeful of getting a run into Alaho before Cheltenham, Richard says. So that's maybe a little more optimistic than perhaps Willie Mullins was suggesting a few weeks ago. And I mentioned the young horses there. Could it be that... Envoie Allen rides to the rescue in unlikely fashion, the down royal winner, as he as he heads to the King George. Can you give him a shot in the King George against the, the Nichols Brace and, and perhaps L'Ompresse? I can't, if I'm honest. I've been a huge fan of his, as has everybody through his novice years. But I thought I had written him off coming into down royal this year, only for him to prove me wrong. But I do I see him winning a King George? Honestly, no. And I would be... I, I'd be... Pleasantly surprised if, if he can do that. But if you ask me at the start of the year that Chivley Park star going into Christmas will be on violin, I would have put him way down the pecking order. So that just proves how wrong I was and how wrong I still could be because I went to the beginner's chase in Goran Park a couple of weeks ago. Willie Mullins had a trifecta of runners. Manila Crooner and J Journey with me was in there for Henry Bromit. I did not expect a uh, classic getaway to put in the performance he did given his hurdles rating so he's markedly improved for chasing and I thought Grange Clare West was awesome when he won his maiden hurdle at Navin he could be anything so there is still plenty to look forward to and they're acquiring good horses and I think with a view to the future isn't there a sale on in Cheltenham tonight <laughs> are you going to go and buy some more horses I think maybe Richard Thompson might want to yeah yeah I, I don't I don't think going to stop his enthusiasm is 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 quite clear for for everyone to see which is which is good for good for the sport at the moment um, there is a trifecta of Willie Mullins Galacticos still running this weekend if if the racing goes ahead or this weekend and slightly beyond with Galapando Shire mentioned. Appreciate it's in, uh, I don't know whether whether he'll make his date at Navin, but he'll, he'll run somewhere in the next few days. And of course, we do expect Cork to be on and an argument to, to run and win the, the Hilly Way chase. But there are good horses taking him on. 
One of those is Paddy Corkery's Master McShee. He's very much the star of a small yard. I put in a call to Paddy this morning to ask him whether the horse had taken a step forward since his very promising novice campaign last year. Well, I suppose, Nick, the first thing I'd have to say is we've had a few setbacks. He's kind of a difficult horse to train. We've had a few setbacks with him, and I actually thought at one stage he wouldn't be ready to go until January, but he's come on quite a lot in the last couple of weeks, so hopefully he'll be fitting well for Sunday. Now, I gather it's been a, a very challenging time for you because you, you lost Master McShee's work rider. Is, is that right? That's correct, Jimmy Maloney, yeah. Uh, and Jimmy was, he was a super judge and he was bang on with the clock every time he was, he was to the second. So uh, he died of lung cancer and uh, he, I suppose, unfortunately, maybe he was the, he smoked a few cigarettes, which probably wasn't the best thing to do, but... You know that's life. Uh, you must, you must miss him terribly. Has it, has it only strengthened your resolve to, to, to get this horse back to, back to the top? Well, look, I suppose Nick, when you only have a few horses, you're always striving to get back to the top with them, and, and you know, the same with Master McFee. You know, I, I'm, I'm trying to tick every box to get him to where he should be. You know. And and Paddy, who is who is now responsible for for the working this horse and, and riding him? Well, I ride him myself quite a lot, which I have done previously now as well. With you know, and I used to put Jimmy up for the last maybe four or five or six bits of work. So at the minute, I'm riding him myself, and um, you know, he's a nice farm. He's going to Sunday. Something similar to last year, we went to Gordon last year. Uh, and coming out of my place without any uh, sticks or anything like that, we weren't fully primed, and I don't think we'll probably be fully primed again for Sunday, you know? But I guess, as we've often said, in Ireland you have to run where where you, you have to run. You, you've got to take on the the good horses. Well, with Master Mexi, I, I have no choice. My hand is forced. I, I can't pick hiding places for him. There, there are no hiding places for him, and... I just have to take on the best and and try and compete with the best. So you you're looking for a nice run, but you think he'll take a a good step forward for for his comeback. That's what we'll be hoping for, Nick. Yes. No, having said that, we'll be trying our best. Uh, but I mean, Energumi, you know, you're taking on a superstar in Energumi. Uh, I suppose when you look at it back, when you look back last year, you know, Master Mac won a Grade One. Uh, and then he met Pursar and Gallop in Deschamps on his next two runs and only for that he'd have three great ones so you know you'll always have some good horse that's testing you all the time you know uh, Paddy Corkery there and it would be great Jane Mangan to see this this horse come back with a with a promising run and you you really felt how, how much the the loss of of Jimmy the the work rider um, was was felt at at, uh, at Paddy's base Absolutely. I met Paddy at the HRI Awards earlier this week and he passed on the news having, I, I filmed a feature with them uh, last year before their brilliant grade one triumph at Limerick. And this horse has been a fairy tale story as it is. He's a one man band, Paddy Corkery, and he does all the work himself. But he did always say how important uh, a cog in the wheel Jim was riding him work and the feedback he gave. So now Paddy has to ride him 
all his own work. And it's just uh, another layer to already uh, a story that has captured the nation over here because it's inspiring a lot of people that if you have the talent of, of horse that you can do it without a gallop, uh, training on beaches and fields and other people's gallops and making your your impact against Galloping de Champ and beating Willie Mullins and Gordon Elliott in grade one. So Rassam actually on ratings doesn't have a chance with an argument, but it'll be good to see him back. And the fact that this guy, one man band, is not shying away from a challenge is inspiring to a lot of people. So we're going to have a small field for the Hillyway Chase. We're going to see the champion chaser back. But at a local track for Paddy Corkery, I think a lot of people, if not all the crowd at Cork, will be cheering on the red and white. Good luck to Paddy. Good luck to Ian and everybody concerned with Master McShee. Now, there was action in the sail ring through most of the week in Ireland. I'm going to get, Jane, your thoughts on, on that in a few moments. First of all, I put in a call to Jane McGiven, Dash Grange stud in the UK. She, of course, bought Golden Horn, more of whom in a moment, earlier in the year, plus the dam of, of Constitution Hill. Yesterday, she gave €220,000 for Concertista, the Cheltenham Festival winning daughter of Nathaniel. And afterwards, she was quite vocal and, and went on social media to, to discuss this, saying she felt this had been tremendous value and that she'd got a bit of a bargain. And I raised a bit of an eyebrow and thought, what could possibly make you think two hundred and twenty grand for a jumps broodmare was a bargain? Well, this is what Jane had to say. Um, well, firstly, let's just start with the fundamentals. Her page, her pedigree is fantastic, um, number one. Number two, what a great racing mare she was. I think she was unlucky not to be even more successful. I mean, we could go on about that for hours. Um, she's physically a beautiful mare with a fantastic confirmation. And, of course, she's per- her pedigree is perfect for Golden Horn, which... Um, uh, was one of the reasons I was looking for another mare. Uh, I fully expected to pay more for her, if I'm honest, and I would have done. Um, I sort of played with the flat mare, uh, Bloodstock Sales, earlier in the year, and I couldn't get over the discrepancy between the way flat mares are valued and national hunt mares. For, for, I still can't understand why there's such a huge discrepancy except that there's not enough value in national hunt racing. And so um, that said, paying that sort of price for a mare like that, I think, and a young mare as well, I think she'll easily uh, pay me back uh, in a very short order. And I thought exactly the same when I bought Queen of the Stage and exactly the same when I bought Build Me Up Buttercup and Jolan. Wow. So um, very good value as far as I can see. You I talk, can't understand why nobody else wanted her. You talk about money. you talk about Queen of the Stage, Jane. She's probably worth twice what you paid for her after what Constitution Hill did the other day. She's of course his dam, and you bought her. Uh, it, did you buy her in full to Blue Brazil? Uh, was that right? Can, yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 She's in full to Blue, Blue Brazil, and she's going back to Blue Brazil um, for obvious reasons. Um, but uh, I, I mean, at the time, um, I thought she was a bargain, and I think she was probably the deal of the year. If I'm honest, <laughs> um, closely followed by Golden Horn, actually. Mm. So, um, Dash Grange Stud has, has gone for the best quality that we can find, 
Um, and I'm absolutely delighted with my little gang, I have to say. I would be really delighted with that little gang. Something else crossed my mind when you, yeah. you signed the ticket for Concertista. Well-bred, sort of flat-bred, really, daughter of, daughter of Nathaniel. Exactly. Going to visit Golden Horn. That means that the progeny will be bred on the same cross as Hascoy, Golden Horn's best filly to date so far, the St. Ledger, second past think, the post. I did actually uh, think that myself. <laughs> so well picked up on that. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Nathaniel as well. So that was, you know, almost the icing on the cake. Um, uh, and, you know, should she have a filly, I will, you know, keep that bloodline because I think we can see some exciting things from... Um, the horses that are going international hunt from Golden Horn. I mean, but um, you you could you could end up producing a pattern class flat horse with with that pedigree. Well, that's the, that's why I can't understand why she wasn't more money. You know, she was devalued simply because it was a national hunt sale, just like Build Me Up Buttercup. But they both could have been great flat horses, tough middle distance flat horses. Uh, had life's quirk sent them in another direction. And you could breed them either way, to be honest. And that, for me, was the biggest attraction. Mm. Um, plus, I really am quite, you know, um, boring, probably, about trying to keep the best bloodstock that we can for the United Kingdom. I think we've got a little tsunami of our great mares, flat and national hunt, heading not just for the continent, but, you know, Japan, Saudi, Australia, wherever. And if we want to be relevant in racing as a world power and global power in racing, then we play the long game. And the long game starts with the quality bloodstock. And so I'm sticking my little finger in the dam to try and hold back the tsunami just a tiny bit, if I can. Um, it, it's, not ju it's not just about short-term gain. This, this is something that I think as an industry, as a sport, we need to be really looking at ourselves very carefully about what we're doing and if I, we want to have something great in 50 years' time. Uh, yeah. At the top of the programme, I've made mention of the fact that, that Dear Cave Tara is irreplaceable. He's been an amazing, amazing influence yeah, oh for, the, for the breed. And you've got to know him quite well because you, you're standing golden horn at Simon Sweeting's yeah. Overbury Stud. They'll, they'll be really feeling that loss this morning, won't they? Oh, they will be so sad. And he was such a huge character. Not, not only was he a fantastic horse, uh, but he was a huge character. Even at his ripe old age, he was definitely king of that place. And, um, you know, huge hooves to fill. Um, but more than that, on a, on a human scale, he was, you know, they absolutely all adored him. Um, but he had a fantastic life. Um, and what a way to go. Sunny morning in the paddock, not waking up, you know. Um, but that won't that won't be um, stemming the tears at Overbury. I know that. Jane McGiven uh, and paying tribute as we all did yesterday to to Cave Tara, who died at the age of twenty eight. Perhaps that Jane Mangan is is where we should start because he was a, a an enormous influence on on British national hunt breeding at a time when it very very badly needed him, and it will miss him enormously enormously himself and midnight legend when i was growing up they were the two from the uk that everybody wanted one everybody wanted to have one of those in their stable and not alone you we are all guilty of forgetting how awesome race a lot of these stallions are or were as race horses and to be a dual uh 
ask a Gold Cup champion for Godolphin and then B, that son of Sadler as well as who made the transition for Simon Sweeting to all of, uh, to to Overbury and to be as consistently successful as he was. 11 times champion, that is some doing. And to produce horses like Thistle Crack and Special Tiara and Ed Wolf Carruthers, there's more. Um, now, we won't have Sons of Cave Tara like we will have on the flash to carry on the lineage, but he's already picking up the baton as a dam sire when it comes to the likes of the Glancing Queen and MacTotty Potterman. But yes, he was one of those key horses that if they went to the sales, everybody wanted to get one. And we've still got years of Edwardstone, hopefully, to, to fly the flag and more for, for Cave Tara. It's it's a rare stallion that, that has top quality horses right from the beginning when he had really two Bob Mayers to cover through to the very end of, of his career when, you know, he upgraded a um, Edward Stone's dam who was from pretty humble stock. Yeah, but you, you again, we're all guilty of forgetting how well-bred a horse he was. He's by Sadler as well. He's had a colour spin who won an Oaks brother to Opera House. Uh, he had everything and I'd say a lot of people will, you know, he, he will obviously be missed in the UK pr- predominantly because they no longer have Midnight Legend as well. The two of them really carried the country in terms of national hunt breeding. Um, but for Overbury Stud, he got the people in the gate. And I would imagine the knock on effect to their fellow stallions was probably invaluable. And going back to, to Jane McGiven's first point and she is now got a stallion that is is going to stand at overbury golden horn going back to her her first point there about concertista jane 220 she makes an incredibly compelling case for why this is value of course you've got to have the 220 in the first place yeah well if for anybody listening in may just remind them how good a race mayor concertista was concertista's first run for willie mullins came at the cheltenham festival in 2019 where she was beaten a short head, a whisker on the line, her first run for the stable at 66 to 1. She then went on to break her maiden tag over hurdles at the following Cheltenham Festival in 2020 when she beat Dalsey to 12 lengths at the festival. She was a solid grade two performer, placed second when he beaten ahead in the Mayor's Hurdle grade one at Cheltenham by Black Tears last year. She was a remarkable race mare and she proved how tough she was on the track. I I think, like a lot of us, feared the worst when she pulled up at Punchestown uh, this season, that maybe something had gone so wrong that she mightn't be saved. Thank God she was. And I saw her walk around the ring at Goffs. She had the athleticism that just left you in no surprise as to why she was good on the track, because she owned everywhere she walked around in Goffs uh, yesterday afternoon. And... Um, as regards value, I think that's open to everybody's interpretation. But when you consider what some of the queens of the ring have made recently, uh, 220 grand could be considered value in somebody's eyes. Uh, I think Jane's best piece of value this year was probably queen of the stage for 340 in full with a full sibling to probably uh, the highest regarded horse in training at the moment in Constitution Hill. So it's an amazing uh, herd of quality broodmares that Jane and her husband David are assembling and no doubt to go back and support their own stallion Golden Horn will give breeders who are using Golden Horn confidence that she's backing her horse so they may may as well do the same. Were you were you finding the sales a bit more of a struggle at your end? Yeah I was um, obviously from a personal perspective we were selling and it was tough if you did not have 
uh, top, top stallion. It was, it, we've always used the word polarized, polarized. And I suppose a lot of people just roll their eyes thinking maybe you just didn't have what people wanted. And that may well have been the case for us this year. But if you look at the top lots and take out one or two or three stallions, it was really tough middle to bottom tier. Uh, the median and averages won't tell you that. They'll say it was a better sale than last year. But I can tell you on the ground, it was tough work. And I would say uh, we have gone back a couple of years to maybe a more realistic market. We made hay while the sun was shining the last couple of years. But I'd say just a little bit more tepid water this week at Goffs. All right, then. Time for our final and definitive look at the Hong Kong international races that take place on Sunday morning UK time. So just for your purposes, if you are in the UK... 6.10am the Hong Kong Vars, 6.50 the Sprint, 8 o'clock the Mile and 8.40 the Cup. Uh, Jim McGrath is with me now just to take a final look at these races. Jim, we spoke to Richard Gibson yesterday about Wellington in the Sprint. He sounded very hopeful that that horse could come back to form after a rare disappointment last time with Ryan Moore aboard. Do you share his optimism? I do to an extent, Nick. Uh, the one thing that is the big drawback is the draw. He's drawn 10 of 14. And uh, although I'm sure Richard would argue that the horse does come from behind, he's going to have to really rely heavily on Ryan Moore getting over from 10. Listen, uh, Ryan has won the sprint before from 14 on the Japanese horse a couple of years ago. So it's not impossible. We, and we know we've got the right man aboard. But it was disappointing last time. Uh, he is the best sprinter in Hong Kong, there's no doubt. And it was just that one blip last time when he was beaten. Uh, he was beaten uh, two and a quarter lengths, as it was in the end. But he was slightly disappointing on the day. I'm encouraged that Richards thinks he's got him back. We move on. Uh, Jim, to the Longines Hong Kong Mile. And this really re revolves around Golden 60, or so we think. Yeah, I think uh, he can win, to be honest. Uh, he's 22 wins from 25 starts. He is a remarkable horse. I think uh, that history will show he's probably the best so far that we've seen in Hong Kong. Um, and, you know, he's got a, a really strong contingent of Japanese horses coming up against him. Uh, Selios, who was third in the race last year, is obviously one of them. Uh, Shellmeister is a very interesting runner, uh, Christophe Lemaire's ride. Uh, I do like him quite a lot. Uh, and so, you know, he's, he's really, uh, this is probably his sternest test, that's, that's for sure. Um, and also, uh, an interesting runner, of course, he's got his old rival, California Spangle, uh, who's certain to make it from gate number two, and Golden 60 is drawn in four, so he'll sit in behind him. I think that's the way the race will take shape. Uh, but there's an interesting runner from Australia. Mm. Uh, who was an ex uh, Ken Condon horse in Ireland? He won the Prix Jean Pratt for Ken. Uh, he's down with Annabelle Nisham now. And just talking to James McDonald the other day, he feels uh, who rides him. He feels that that the, the firmer ground, that the uh, top of the ground conditions are going to suit laws of indices. And he's a real outsider to put in your multiples. Yeah, definitely European Group One winner, and didn't really get the rub of the green in the Cox Plate last time when never getting a, a clear run. The Hong Kong Cup, Jim, takes place at, at 8.40. Um, how do you see this shaping up? Well, I see Romantic Warrior as the one to beat. He's the local hero, of course. He's eight from nine so far. 
and he's drawn okay in seven. He's uh, actually won from this start before. It's a very tricky start, the, uh, the mile and a quarter, only 100 yards to the first turn. Uh, but he's in good form, and he's certainly going to improve on his first up uh, win, which is only three weeks ago. He'd been off for a very long time. I see him as the one to beat, but we've got um, another formidable Japanese uh, contingent here, uh, Panther Lassa winner of the Dubai Turf back uh, earlier in the year. He's going to be a formidable challenger. Le Papal down the bottom, uh, ridden by Joe Moreira. It's his final day riding in Hong Kong, by the way. Uh, he could be uh, in for a good ride there. And another one of interest is Russian Emperor, who we know well over here, X Aiden O'Brien, Belly Doyle. And uh, he's a, a Group 1 winner already in Hong Kong and he could, just couldn't uh, put his best foot forward this time so romantic warrior to win but Panther Lass are the big danger and it all kicks off with the with the Vars the, the big races kick off with the Vars at 10 past 6 uh, we spoke to Graham yesterday who's been enjoying uh, Hong Kong this week and he was giving a confident shout for Stone Age it's a race that Aidan O'Brien's got a good record in it looks to me a pretty winnable addition uh, Jim it is it's the weakest of the four races there's no doubt about that there are no stayers in, in Hong Kong to speak of. Senior Toba is, is the best of them, and he's drawn 10, which uh, it sounds funny, but the draw is important, even over a mile and a half. Uh, I, I do think that Graham's on the right track. I think he and I have been reading uh, the same the same books because um, Stone Age, as a three-year-old, gets the allowance, five-pound allowance from the older horses, and he really does uh, stand out, I think. Um, I do think that Botanic is going to run a big race for uh, Andre Farb and William Buick. Uh, he's won seven races, this horse, which just surprises me. Looking at his record, he's a four-year-old Geldy. He's won seven, and he really is progressive. I'd put him in as well. And Glory Vaz, who, of course, is going for a third uh, uh, win in this race, which uh, would be a record, um, he's probably the next best. But we haven't seen much of him of, him of late. Jim McGrath with a definitive view of the races in Hong Kong on Sunday. Now, Maddie Playle has also been reporting for us from Hong Kong this week, and she caught up with connections of a lively outsider for the sprint, Lims Kosciuszko, a trainer, Dan Mayer, and first of all, jockey Danny Beasley. And Maddie remarked to Danny that he'd actually come out of retirement to ride this horse. Sort of repeat yourself a little bit, yeah, but uh, right. can I grab a word? Sure. Yeah. Um, firstly, I've heard you've come out of retirement to ride this horse. Tell me about <laughs> that. Yeah, well, I I retired four year, uh, in 2017, and I was actually assistant to Daniel, uh, assistant trainer. And when COVID hit, like the world turned on its head, and in Singapore we had a lack of jockeys, and I was still riding track work every morning, and still my weight. I've been lucky; I've always been quite lightweight. And so I said, well, why don't we try and um, ask this jockey club to give my license back? And they did. They gave me the opportunity. And then so the last two, I've been riding the last two seasons in Singapore and been extremely lucky. We, we found a horse called Limbs Lightning, who was the horse of the year last year. And then little Kosciuszko's come along this year and he's likely to be named horse of the year this year. So... Um, been very privileged to be able to ride both of those horses through last season and this season and so it's, it's been if you said to me three years ago two years ago 
that you're going to ride those two horses and be riding in a Hong Kong international sprint, I would have said you're crazy because I, <laughs> I wasn't even riding. So, yeah. What's your two's relationship like then? Are you pretty good pals? You're pretty very close. Good very yeah, close. We've yeah. known each other for 15, 17 years and yeah. uh, always, always uh, contacted each other if we're in different countries, but yeah, we're, we're great mates. So, yeah. And tell me about this horse and his story. A quick, a short story is uh, he, part, he went to the sales as a yearling, got passed in, nobody bought him. We went to a ready-to-run sale, which is a two-year-old sale, passed in, nobody bought him. And uh, then he went to a trial in New Zealand. And I think Danielle Johnson, who's a partner of Jamie Richards, who trains here, actually rode him in the trial. And uh, he won. And then my owner bought him and told me, Daniel, you've got a new horse coming. <laughs> and uh, he, he turned up and he's quite small and he's very quiet. And I said, OK. And... Uh, all of a sudden, he, he, he started becoming uh, the racehorse that he is today. So Yeah. He looks he, to have been training really well on the track. He's got a great attitude. He's just, nothing upsets him. He, we were a bit worried when the cameras started clicking in front of him, and he didn't care. So mm. he's got a great attitude to travel, and, and yeah. he settled in really well. And what do you think about Sunday's race? How do you think that's going to suit him? Where are you drawn? Remind myself in four, so perfect. Ask the jockey, he's going to ride him. <laughs> yeah, couldn't be happier with the draw. Like, um like the favourite Lucky Swainess just inside us um, got stronger outside us with a great jockey in Hugh Bowman so um, yeah how will you ride him he's a naturally fast horse but he he's he does he leads a lot of home just because he's better than him mm-hmm. but he, he like we took him out to 1800 for the derby and he sort of sat second in that and relaxed really well um, he won the Lion City off sitting in about fifth or sixth position so he doesn't have to lead, but he has got he has got great speed if I want to use it. But he's just a little he's a jockey's dream, you know. He's he's very quick from the gate. You put him in your spot, then you put your hands on his neck and he relaxes. And um, yeah, he's the good ones are always the easiest to ride. It's, I've found that. Yeah, it's those ones that haven't got much ability. The ones that are difficult, but yeah, he's pretty straightforward. And realistically, you're confident. You think you've got a winning chance. You know, I, I, just really hard to line up. Mm. It's a tough race, isn't it? It is, and our, there's no doubt the quality of the Singapore uh, racing has probably dropped a bit over the last couple of years. But in saying that, this horse is the best up there. Um, every time we've asked him, we've raised the bar. He's really answered it, um, like more, exceeded our expectations every time. So, uh, like I actually said to Daniel at the end of last season, I think. Um, his five-year-old year will be his best year and he seems to be trekking that way so I, I actually think this trip could really make him and what he could do uh, like it'd be great if you can run well and then you can travel a bit more like um, be lovely to take him to Dubai or somewhere like that to so, Dubai yeah you come to Roy Lascaux <laughs> well that's <laughs> it uh, yeah. well, March Dubai uh, June uh, or July was it Lascaux yeah. yeah so you no, never I'm know sure. We can dream. Yeah. Um, what would it mean to you guys to win the, the HKIR? Have you ever had success here before? No. Uh, uh, my father's uh, used to be a trainer, and he's travelled horses up here a couple of times in the nineties. Now, actually, I was I did come here in nineteen ninety eight as a fifteen year old. And what uh, did you think of the place then? Well, I was a little pup. I was a little puppy <laughs> then, and I <laughs> I, uh, I didn't take in what I probably should have. But it, that was a great experience. But myself and, and, and I can speak for Danny, we've um, never been here and been a, uh, a jockey or trainer to in these races. So 
here we are now and hopefully we can yeah. we can get the job done yeah i get a feeling there'll be like big celebrations if you guys do win <laughs> yeah i won't go home i think i'll stay for a few days <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay well best of luck thank you guys on, yeah. well thanks to marianne to jim and graham and everybody who's contributed uh, from hong kong this week and thanks to my guests today uh, jane mcgiven and richard thompson and paddy corkery jane mangan is still with me and has some advice for you for i'm not sure when and when it, whether it will be on jane so i'll just give you the floor and you can have at it give me the floor and if cheltenham goes ahead today i hope it gets to the last race on the card at 335 because that city post handicap hurdle over three miles is where our homebred Utrecht will be running he's now in the care of dan and harry skelton having been uh, had a good time in Ireland with Joseph O'Brien. I think the step up to three miles and reverting back to hurdles will benefit him in his handicap debut. He should be effective. But I will give a one note of caution as well. If Cork goes ahead on Sunday, all the eyes will be on the Hillyweight Chasing and Ergamine. But watch out for Dino Blue in the novice chase for Mayors, the grade two. Dino Blue was awesome on her chase debut. And I think she'll be a filly to follow this year. So this Uhtred that you bred, um, Mayor only had one foal, is that right? Died having him. Oh. Which what, just goes to show the uh, misfortunes uh, that a lot of breeders have to endure. Yeah, and Racing Post rating of 138. Uh, Jane, good luck with, uh, with Uhtred. Thanks so much for your company this morning. As always, thank you very much for listening. Um, we will see you again after the weekend, and Charlotte will be back this evening with a roundup of all the best to try and give you the pointers for the weekend racing, if indeed it does go ahead, and that'll be uploaded from 9 o'clock this evening, Friday. That was Friday the 9th of December. This has been the Nick Luck Daily. We'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.